Hey everybody, this is Ryan with Corvus Lore, and you are watching CMS TV Classic Metal Show. Aiken presents and i of course am chris aiken and i am thrilled to have this lady back on the show once again seems like it's becoming a yearly thing which is a good thing uh she is back with a brand new release which is kick-ass it is called elevate and here to talk all about it is the metal queen herself miss lee aaron lee how are you excellent well, well, Lee, uh, you, you're back. You have another album. It is fantastic. It's uh, came at us awful quick from the last one. So uh, why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about Elevate and how it came to us so quickly. We weren't able to put our radio on properly, obviously, because we were. it was released still in the middle of COVID. It's interesting, you know, because really COVID restrictions only started lifting in like May of this year. And here we are a few months later and sort of everybody kind of forgets that it happened. Right. And then we were like, our lives were shut down for like literally almost two years. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, um, yeah, like we, we literally were able to do two shows last summer and then it was sort of like, Nope, this is not happening. Everything shut it. People, we had a bunch of shows that got postponed into the future and we're like, well, I guess we need to go make another record. <laughs> so we literally uh, just took a leap of faith, booked some studio time and forced ourselves to get it together and to write some more songs. And, uh, you know, it was really good for us, I think, just even like emotionally and mentally as a band, because we had a focus and we had another goal and it kept us uh it, you know, kept our minds fresh and gave us a project to focus on during during those last, you know, that last home stretch of COVID lockdown, which was was wonderful. So and elevate. There it is. It's our COVID baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, 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 Lee, um, was was elevate written at the same time as the last record? Was this like one big writing process because you had so you know two years off or is it two distinct writing processes, you know, beginning of COVID and middle of COVID, I guess? Yeah. So Radio One was actually written before COVID. Okay. We had gotten together. We, my idea for that record, and I don't know, I probably explained the lot, this the last time we talked for Radio One was we flew Sean out from Toronto because we're a bi-coastal band here in right. Canada. Um, flew him out and we all, I said, bring your A game and bring your best 
three or four song ideas and we literally got together in a room for a weekend like a garage band and jammed out radio on that's how we wrote radio on um because we were in lockdown we were kind of forced to do the sending files back and forth process so that's how elevate was written um yeah so they were two distinct writing processes so yeah you know um uh i prefer writing the other way but you know for us it was just really healthy to keep the creativity going sure so did that and my other idea when when obviously we went in to record this when COVID had opened up enough that we were allowed to be I think when we went into the studio to record the tracks we were allowed to all be in the studio together a limited amount of people in wearing mostly masks right Mm -hmm. when we got close to each other so that's what we had done for the recording process but my idea was because we had done it by writing files and I I'm a real believer in not being over rehearsed and that having that spontaneity kind of shine through on the album. I said, like, let's just fly in and like, we'll just get together for one evening of pre-production. So we literally got together, brought all the tracks that we had pieced together in our demo studios um, for Elevate and then learned the songs and in one evening to and and figured out what the arrange the actual arrangements on the recording live off the floor would be, um, so they they weren't over rehearsed, which it, I think brought that um, level of uh, kind of organicness and spontaneity to the recording. So, sure, it, it gives it that true rock and roll feel. It doesn't feel like it's over processed and over polished. Well, good. I'm glad because I don't want to make records like that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I was kind of like, you know, we, we're going to go in a little bit under rehearsed, but, and then, you know, sometimes the mistakes that you make, as long as we're recording as a band, which we always are, we were like bass drums and guitar were all recorded simultaneously off the floor. Um, sometimes the mistakes that end up kind of being like happy accidents, like Bob Ross would say, you know, sure. um, and they're keepers, right? So, Yeah. I'm right a real on. believer in that. Absolutely. So. Well, the one thing I do have to commend you on many things, but this is one of the things I have to commend you on is with Elevate is I don't know how you wrote such an amazingly up record at such an amazingly <laughs> difficult time. You know, how was it how was it that you were able to keep such a kind of a, a positive message? throughout the music when clearly you were you were in the same boat we all were which was kind of depressed kind of you know hating hating being locked down i agree with you and that i think musically like the energy of the music and everything is very very uplifting but the first single like rock bottom revolution it's it's kind of like a subversive rock anthem. Um, so it's sort of about how how messed up the world is in terms of, uh, you know, and I guess, you know, maybe I was just watching a little too much news during COVID and <laughs> it was like we all were, right? Like, you know, paying attention to all this craziness going on in the world um, because I think people were going a little bit squirrely in it. You know, social media was being used in a lot of, negative ways like to to, it was being weaponized and it was being used to mobilize people in very negative ways and so I guess a little bit of that definitely lyrically shines through in some of the music but um 
but the music itself, you know, I'm a real believer in that it's, it needs to take you to a, to a better place. So even though um, those songs have, you know, might have a slightly subversive message like elevate and rock bottom revolution. um, It's meant to be, you know, a wake. it's meant to be like a wake up call kind of tune, right. If that makes sense. No, it definitely does. And then then there's other songs though, like freak show as an example, which is an example kind of what we all should be doing, which is telling, you know, just telling everybody to get over their bullshit and, and get back to living in harmony. At least that's the way it felt to me. Well, you, you, you're spot on about that one. That, uh, yeah, that's just a song inspired by, you know, the fact that we, you know, there's this real culture of like other, right? Like we, not like me, they're those other people, right? And you find that when you meet people, I mean, I live in a very diverse neighborhood in my community and I have friends from all different kinds of cultures, faiths, religions, uh, mindsets and I might not agree with all of them but the, uh, 99% of them are really really good people and you know you realize the older you get and the wiser you get the more the more you think we're different the more we're really all the same and that's what freak show is about right on definitely now now lee you worked with mike frazier who's you know obviously super well known whether acdc aerosmith etc i mean fantastic producer for you as an artist, somebody who's, you know, done this for a little while now, and, and you've done it on all levels, you've done it with major labels, you've done it independently, etc. What is it about a guy like Mike that you feel you couldn't or don't enable yourself to do by yourself where you bring him in? Boy, oh boy. Um, you know, He's just able to, he's got this magic thing where he can dial in these sounds, right? And I don't necessarily have the capability to do that, nor does anybody else in my band. I mean, we do record ourselves and certain uh, uh, sections of our tracks at home, but any, and even like, I love what Sean Kelly does, but he can't dial in that sound that Mike can get, right? Like Mike just has this sort of, it's like the magic recipe. When I first started working with him, he said, I love, I love recording and mixing and I love cooking because he he said cooking reminded him a lot of mixing and that there were so many like flavors and nuances and things that you could bring into a recipe, just like mixing. And I went, I never ever even like I, I'm not a good great cook either. So like, I'm not. It's not really in my wheelhouse to want to spend hours in the kitchen doing that. He's got a lot more patience than I do, and that's why to me he's just like the dream mix engineer, right? Sure. I mean, uh, so what we do when we work together is Mike will go, hey, you know, I'll text you when I'm a couple hours away. And so he pulls the mix together to the place where he thinks I'm going to like it. And then I come into the studio or we come into the studio, um, depending on who it was mostly me, but whoever was else was available to come in for mixes. Um, sometimes that's Dave. Cause he also lives locally and we come in and we have a listen. And then I just get him. I go like, you know, I really could hear the bass a bit louder in this song. And can you get a little more of an edge on it? And like, so he'll, what he then does is he dials it into a specific place where I'm hearing more of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or, uh, I know a couple of times I came in, he's like, you know, 
I love this, but I, I, where do I, I don't know where to put this keyboard thing you did. And I'm like, how about we make it squeeze it and make it sound really small and stick it up in the upper left corner of, of the, the sound realm there. And, you know, so, um, yeah. So yeah, he, he's just wonderful to work with. Sure. Are there times when you're working with, with him or with any, with any production guy, but specifically him, because he's you know been super unbelievably successful. Are there times where you have to push back where he says, I like this. And you say, no, you know, it, it, does that happen or not really? That experience with Mike, um, because Mike is not, he's not playing a producer role in this band. Okay. I have had that experience with producers sure. in the past when I was younger, where they were, you know, they've got the label talking to them in this year going, we want to hear blah, 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 this. And I'm going, well, that's not how I see my art. You know, I mm-hmm. see it this way and it's a different, slightly different visions, but no, Mike is, uh, I've never had that experience with him. Okay. Uh, so yeah he's he's and you know i have to tell you like mike is the kind of guy if he uh and i and i gotta tell you the best producers in the world sorry maybe i'm not articulating this all that well um the best producers in the world you don't end up in a situation like that like a pushback situation to me the art the, the the being a great producer is going wow like, and I know that I do that when I'm in the studio, like, I love that little lick that you just played. Can you, could you repeat that right. on this part? Do you just humor me, play it and let's see how it sounds. And you get it and you get it, Ben, you go, you know, basically you draw the very, very best out of the artist you're working with or the musician you're working with and re- and put it on repeat, get them to do, you, you know what I mean? Like, um, you're drawing the best out of that person in, in an amiable and um, uplifting way, not, not a, not a battle, you know, sure. to me, that's not, the, that's not an energy that makes good records to me. So. Right. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Now, now Lee up to this point, up to today, um, we do not have a video, which I'm surprised because you've done videos for the, for the last few, but, uh, you were telling me right before we started that we might have something coming soon. What can we look forward to if we're YouTubers? Revolution is going to drop in within 48 hours. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, I was given a deadline by the label, which was the 28th of the month. Uh, which, but I believe it's going to be uploaded by the 27th. So um, yeah. And then you'll have your first single and it's super cool. I worked with, again, with a gentleman named Frank Greiner out of Toronto. He's amazing. He's done um, videos for so many people. He's a producer and video um, digital video guru. Uh, And yeah, he's put together something quite fabulous uh, for that song. And I can't wait for you to see it. Excellent. Well, we're going to let people see it right now because by the time this comes out, I'll have the video. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's do it right now. Let's check it out. This is brand new from Lee Aaron right here on Chris Aiken presents.
said the man. That was a brand new video from Lee Aaron from the new album Elevate, which is out now. And uh, please go out there and get it. And when I say get it, I don't just mean stream it. You can certainly stream it, but please buy it wherever you can buy it because that helps the artists. So please do so. And, and Lee, um, talking about this new album, you know, and, and really all of your work, you know, it's obviously your name on the cover and you're the one that's had, you know, the success for the last I don't even want to say how many years because it just doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it has, you know, that being said, you've got a great band and specifically Sean, who I, I'm a huge fan of. I've known Sean for a lot of years and he's underrated beyond belief, an amazing, amazing player, writer, etc. With that said, how much creative input do you give your band members in the process? I mean, do you write the music and then have them kind of match what you wrote? Or do you give them freedom to bring their own thing to the music? Or where do, where is that balance at? So, you explained this before, um, but I'm happy to explain it again. We... Um, uh, I write all the lyrics mostly and all of the top line melodies, the choruses and things like that uh, for the most part. Um, but I invite to me um, what makes me the best artist I can be is to be working with my favorite people. And so Obviously, I've, I've, John has been in my band for 20 years. He's my husband. He's the drummer. Sure. Dave Reimer and I have worked together for about 16 years. Um, and Sean came into the fold about eight years ago, and it became very apparent, you know, the first rehearsal we had with him, we're like, dude, you need to be in our band. And, um, like, and so it's a very uh, much a collective. And so... Um, you know, obviously, if I sat down and write, wrote every single song start to finish myself, it would this, it would sound different. I love what the guys in my band do. I think they're all like we've got everybody is a gifted songwriter and arranger in this band. So when we're ready to make a record, I, I like it's wide open. And Sean is constantly sending me stuff. Um, and so sometimes that's just a riff. Sometimes it's two or three parts together that you know, he's hearing the go together and he gives it to me to write on top of. Um, sometimes it is me coming in with a song I've, that's pretty much formed already on piano. And then the guys add their stuff and take it to another level. But the chord changes don't change. Um, sometimes Dave brings in a song that he's got, uh, you know, a couple parts for and a melody that he's singing, but he doesn't have the words and he needs mm -hmm. me to write the words. Um, so obviously though, it goes through my filter because I'm the one that goes, you know, I, I like that idea, but I don't, I don't hear it as a Lear and song. Sure. Like it has to resonate with me first because then it's going to sound authentically like something Lear and would do. But 
so yeah, you know, maybe some of the songs I've written more of and some of them, maybe Dave has written a little more of, but we, the way we split, we do a a, a 100% four-way split. Okay. All the material when it's in the end. Because, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, by the time everybody brings their their input to the table. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of incentives these days, especially, you know, when you're getting paid on Spotify 0.0002 cents right. per stream. You know, what incentive is there except, you know, to be able to get a writing credit on these songs, right? Like it just, um, so of course, we just make, we make it a carte blanche, four-way sure. split. Absolutely. All the material, um, and uh, you know, I you know, and that's all I really have to say is by the time we all bring our stuff to the table, it's really a, a very much a very collective effort, and um, but in a great way, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's the Learn Band, and it sounds like a rock band, right? It definitely does. Well, let's dig into a couple of the songs, Lee, before we uh, finish this one up. Um, I got to say my favorite song on the record is Deep in the Record. Um, I love the sassy confidence, which is not uncommon for you at all from uh, Spitfire Woman. Definitely, definitely not uncommon at all for what you do. Uh, what was the genesis behind that song and the, and the lyrics to that one? Years ago, I got flown around by my label to LA, New York, Nashville, all kinds of places. That was a real modus operandi in the eighties, right. To go right with the, the hit makers. And sometimes that was successful. Sometimes it was not. Um, but I was writing with a guy named Todd Cerny in Nashville in like, I don't know, 87, 88. I can't even exactly remember, but, and I remember him telling us this crazy story, telling me and John Albany about like, this couple that him and his wife knew um, they were local. And um, cause we were, we were like looking for, you know, song material to write about. And we were working on this idea that was a little bit dark. And he was telling us this, like this, uh, this story about this guy who had been unfaithful to his wife and she found out and she was a real firecracker and she absolutely lost it on him. And they had this big hanging rack in their kitchen with pots and pans. And she grabbed a cast iron frying pan off, this rack and in the middle of a heated argument clocked him in the side of the head and not with the intention of killing him, but Oh, well, (laughs) that's what happened. And yeah, like this, this, this crazy crime of passion. And I never wrote about it because it just, it didn't really uh, connect with me at that juncture in my life when I was really young. But now that I'm older, I've been married for years and I think of, you know, how would I feel if something like that happened, you know? Um, And I was, you know, when we came up with that uh, music, I was thinking, whoa, this just, this needs like a dark crime story. And that's, that was always percolating in the back of my head, that story. Um, So it, voila, it ended up becoming a song. Sure. Well, and the, and the other one, which I'm going to assume, and you can tell me I'm wrong. I'm assuming this is way more personal is the, uh, the song red dress, because that, that just feels very personal. Um, is it personal? And, uh, you know, what, what was going on when you, not necessarily when you wrote it, but when you performed it or sang it for, I'm assuming your husband for the first time. Well, it's aware of the song. Um, of course, you know, the general gist of that song is, you know, a, lo- a long-term love story 
sure. that still has passion, right? Um, but I kind of stole from my past and my <laughs> present for that because the first verse is really reflective of an earlier relationship I had in my life. Okay. We were big Prince fans. And um, anyway, and um, that gentleman <clears throat> unfortunately passed away from COVID. I know mm. I don't want to get dark here, but mm. so when I wrote that song, I was kind of in the middle of some grief for that. And okay. uh, I thought, and you know, my husband and today we always joke around and we always go like, cause we both have had former relationships and, you know, sure. in a perfect world, wouldn't it be wonderful if you were one of those people that, you know, the old people with gray hair holding hands that have been together 50 years, but you know, you know, if, if our first relationships had all worked out, but you know, here we are, you know, right. many years later. And um, so, um, yeah, you know, that song is just, yeah, it's about a long-term, the ideal long-term relationship, you know, Excellent. and um, that was the inspiration for that one. Great. Now, Lee, um, we're still in a weird time, I think, as far as the world. I mean, it's not, it's open, but it's kind of open. And in some places it's not, which I, I'm a, I don't know now what that does for bands as far as planning and trying to tour. So for you, do you have touring plans? Are you still kind of waiting to see what shakes out for 2023? I mean, what are the touring plans going forward? Is trying to open up as fully as possible. Um, we're getting on a plane and going to France in, in 48 hours. So, um, I'm excited about that. Um, you know, for what we've sort of got a system in the van that's working really well for us where, um, we're not sort of necessarily going out on a, you know, because of what I've noticed is bands that are going on these big, long back-to-back dates, tours, quite often they've got to abandon a few shows like like Ringo Starr was supposed to come to my town a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I was going to see him with my son and husband and and he had to cancel because of COVID. So it kind of sets up a dynamic where you're, you know, setting yourself up to possibly get COVID. When we flew back from Sweden uh, that we did in June, my bass player got COVID, but thankfully we had no more shows coming up. So he was able to recover. So we found that doing little pockets of shows or okay. one-offs has been quite effective. Everybody's healthy. Let's go do a show, right. you know? So we're going to France. We're coming back. Um, I just booked a couple of shows for the new year. Um, going to Winnipeg and we're going to be in Toronto. In, so mostly major centers. Okay. Um, so yeah, you're going to see me in 2023. I'll be out there. Um, so yeah. Uh, it, oh, and I'm doing Monsters of Rock. I forgot about that. Oh. Um, in April. So I'm ex- late April, early uh, May. I'm excited about that as well. Very good. Well, lots of good stuff coming up, um, including this release, which everybody should get. It's called Elevate. It is Lee Aaron. And Lee, where should we tell people to go to keep up with you and tour dates and all that good stuff? Probably the best place is LeeAaron.com, which is my website. And you can connect to all my socials. It's LeeAaron.music on Instagram, Music on Facebook. And yeah, you can find me there and catch up and see what I'm up to. Very good. Well, one more time. The album is called Elevate. It is Lee Aaron. And Lee, thanks so much for joining me here on Chris Aker Presents. It was an absolute pleasure, Chris. Take care. Rock on.